I'm not pulling out of the driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for another Drive to Work Coronavirus Edition. Okay, using my time at home to talk with magic people, past and present. Today is a little more past. Um, so I have Devin Lowe, and we're going to talk about Shadowmore. Hey, Devin. Hey, Mark. Thanks for having me back. Okay, so uh, let me set the scene for Shadowmore. Um, and uh, so what happened was we made Cold Snap, which was like a, a fourth set that we added right at the end of things. It got added late. It was kind of chaotic. And we were not happy with sort of how it all ended up. So I said to Bill, I go, Bill, next time you want to have four sets in a year, tell me and I'll, I'll, I'll make the year make sense. It won't just be a random thing thrown in. I'll make it make sense. And so Bill came up to me and goes, okay, next year's four sets. Make it make sense. Uh, and so I came back with this idea of two mini blocks because at the time blocks were three sets. So two, two sets were mini blocks. <laughs> um, and the idea was there would be two connected sets that were large, small, both large, small, but they would be themes that each set would have its own theme, but the other set would coincidentally match that theme so they played nicely together. And that the idea was the world would, it'd be one world, somehow connected, connected between that. And we worked with the creative team and they, I mean, kind of a low-hanging fruit is what we did is this world that transforms. Uh, and so there's the light side of the world, which was Lorwyn. There was the dark side of the world, which is Shadowmoor. Um, so what is your, let's, let's get you, where did you first get involved in this? Where, 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 in this timeline I'm explaining, where did you first get involved? Yeah, I was the lead final designer of Lorwyn and uh, was the head developer back in those days. And so I was very involved in that whole block and was a designer and developer on Shadowmoor. Uh, and very much enjoyed it. It has, looking back, um, some things that are great about it, some things that uh, don't stand the test of time as well. Um, but it, it's got some cool stuff. I've got fond memories of it. Yeah, the, so the thing we, real quickly, just to set the scene and then we'll talk Shadow more. Um, we kind of knew going in that Lorman was going to be about tribal. We hadn't done a tribal set since Onslaught at the time. And people like tribal. And we're like, okay, we're going to make a tribal set. And then we knew that if we made a tribal set, the second set could have those tribes in it. So, like, it wasn't hard to make the second set care. Um, but when we examined that, we said, well, what what's a quality that the first set could just have that the second set could care about? And color seemed to be the obvious thing. So, how do we care about color? Uh, and then, meanwhile, I really, really wanted... Uh, I created a hybrid mana for Ra original Ravnica, and we used it like very sparingly in original Ravnica. I think it was like a vertical cycle, a common, uncommon, and a rare. Um, but I really liked the idea of what if we did more with it. And so Shadowmore was like, what if we, how much hybrid could a set have? That's kind of, you know, and because color mattered, hybrid did a very good job of making color matter because here's a red and black card that you could spend with red mana or black mana. You might not be playing the other color, you know, you might not have mountains in your deck, but your swamp deck can now have a red card in play. And so it, it opened up a lot of cool things for us. Yeah, I've always admired how uh, magic can find non-parasitic mechanics where uh, something that exists throughout the game and every set and all cards can be made to matter more than usual. And so uh, making color matters is a good example of that because every set has cards of different colors, but Shadowmoor has a way higher than normal percentage of cards that say, hey, I'm going to reward you for every red card you have, or reward you for every mountain you have, and reward you for uh, having a, a bunch of cards that are all the same color because we've got Conspire and stuff like that. And so that'll play nice with every set that's ever printed, but it can also play especially nice with Shadowmoor and the surrounding sets because those sets are engineered to have hybrid cards that are more than one color but can still be easily cast. Uh, and a lot of 
a lot, a lot of magic mechanics like, uh, you know, attack with creatures with power six or more or have a creature with power four or five or more or cast on creature spells that you see it again and again. Uh, the nice thing about them is that you can take any pile of cards and combine those mechanics with it and you'll find a way to uh, get your combos off. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the challenges of making a, a, a set in which half the cards are hybrid. We, we bit off a lot there. Yeah, and uh, the percentage of hybrid cards being giant was partially because some previous sets had the hook of the set be, hey, we got a bunch of gold cards. But if you fan out a booster pack, there just weren't that many gold cards in the pack, right? And so if someone say, hey, I thought you told me this, the theme was all gold cards or the theme of Scourge was dragons, there's just not that many you know, dragons in Scourge, and so it doesn't feel like a dragon set. And so Shadowmoor was determined not to make the mistake, and they, they delivered a ton of hybrid cards, so you'd be sure to catch the theme and uh, get a bunch of cool hybrid cards, even if you just open a few packs. And a lot of the fun of making hybrid cards and of, you know, sort of thinking about them is that you can find areas where the color pie overlaps and where any two given colors, either ally or enemy colors, have things they have in common. And so a hybrid card that can be cast with either blue mana or red mana or combination blue and red mana uh, can do things like swapping power and toughness or, uh, you know, changing the control of creatures for some amount of time that can be attributed to both blue and red. And so they can feel like they can belong in a blue deck or a red deck or a deck that's both. And so it's fun to sort of just, just get your mind at that space of what do these two colors have in common uh, because every single color has something in common, whether you're a designer or a player. And just to, uh, for the people who may not remember, Shadowmoor was ally. We did the ally hybrid in Shadowmoor and then... Even tied the next set had the enemy hybrid, so um, there were a lot of hybrid, but there were there were only five hybrid five combinations in Shadowmore itself. Right. Um, so, do you remember how we previewed the set, uh, like our first big splashy preview? Uh, remind me. So you came to the website, and there was a booster pack of of Shadowmore. Like you saw the outside of the booster pack. Yeah. And if you tapped on it, it opened the booster pack. And then inside were 15 hand-selected cards that had no text on them. All you saw was the frames, the art right. and frames. But it just, it, it said, hey, this set, half the cards are hybrid. And right. it was uh, very impactful. Uh, in fact, and we also had one uh, we called Tubrid, which is a hybrid symbol that's either a colored mana or two generic mana. And one of the cards there was also a Tubrid card. So you, Yeah, the, the, the Tubrid I actually did make myself. I remember that. Yep. Um, okay, so let's, let's talk a little bit about the challenges of hybrid. So what, what, what's hard about making a set with half the set being hybrid? Well, I mentioned how every color pair has overlaps, but some certainly have way more overlaps than others. Um, for some, it's pretty easy to make 10 cards that, uh, act in the color prize space that is, uh, shared by both red and green, for example, but, um, trying to find mechanics that are shared by, um, another color pair, and it's hard for me to remember. Well, blue, head, blue, blue black was our problem child. Um, right. So if you, when you look at the allied colors, for example, white and green and red and black overlap a lot. In fact, right. one could argue a little too much. Like we're, we're always fighting to make sure that right. white and green and red and black stay off each other. Right. Um, but blue, blue does not play nicely with other colors. So uh, both blue, white, and blue, black. Although blue, white's easier. Blue, white is more overlap than blue, black. Blue, black is kind of the problem child. Um, and then, uh, and red, red, green was fine. So red, red, green, white, green, red, black. We didn't have a lot of problems. White, blue, a little bit, but not too much. And then blue, black was all sorts of problems. Um, yeah. 
And I know what we figured out early on is creatures aren't hard. It's not hard to make um, hybrid creatures. Just because, look, every color has creature combinations. You know, most color combinations have an overlapping mechanic. And we also are making new mechanics. We'll talk about those in a second. But, like, we could use the new mechanics, that, you know, like, you know, persist or wither could overlap on colors. And we're defining it in this set, so we can call whatever we want. Um, so creatures were a lot easier. Uh, spells, especially common spells, were very tricky. Right, and we kind of think that uh, a blue spell could do it, a black spell could also do it. They could both draw cards, but usually black is to pay life or sacrifice creatures or something, and blue typically doesn't. Um, but finding those overlaps is, is tough. I remember that um, gold multicolored cards are very popular in Magic, and everybody always loves the multicolored sets, but we can't just print multicolored sets every year. And so hybrid was an opportunity to do something like multicolored, um, but not sort of go back to multicolored gold card well too often. And uh, hybrid cards kind of look multicolored and have some of those attributes. And they're very easy to cast in a red-green deck because if you draw all forest, draw mounds, you can still cast them. Uh, but they also can be used in monocolor decks. And so Shadowmoor also had a vibe of, hey, uh, what if you played monocolor decks more often than normal? And it's fun to feel like you're getting away with something when you play uh, a card that has four hybrid mana symbols and its cost. And it says, you know, red-green, 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 and you play it in your mono green deck and you feel like you're getting away with something because sometimes it has a little more of a red tinge than it normally would, uh, but you're playing it mono green and those cards can be really powerful and pushed uh, because they require you to commit to either playing mono green or mono red or, or just red green, like a gold card. And so Shadowmoor, even a limited has a higher percentage of cards that reward you for being monocolored and some cycles you're worth being monocolored and a bunch of, you know, triple hybrid and quadruple hybrid cards that reward you for being monocolored. And in a set with a ton of hybrid, you can plausibly play mono black, mono blue, mono green uh, much more often than you can in a normal set because if you are mono blue in a typical set, the number of cards in a pack that could fit in your deck is about, uh, you know, 0.22 or something because it's a fifth of cards plus some colors, artifacts, and whatnot. But in a, card with, uh, a set with this many hybrid cards, you can play all the mono blue cards. Uh, all the blue-white hybrid cards, all the blue-black hybrid cards, and a bunch of colorless cards, and that's enough to sort of get you up to threshold where you could plausibly play mono blue. And because it's fun to do something you're not supposed to do, it's fun to take advantage of that and uh, play mono blue. And there's some rewards that say, hey, for every island you have, get a bonus. You're like, all right, I guess I'll, that's a reason for me to feel good about playing 17 islands. And if you have put in you know, crappy 23rd card to uh, stay in mono blue, then this is a set where that can be worth it if you have enough cards to count basic lands, count the number of blue creatures you have, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, in general, one of the things for people to be aware of is it is very, very hard in most environments to draft a monopower deck. Not impossible, but it, it, really the only way it works is if I go in at heavy and then everybody around me just isn't in my color. You know, sometimes sometimes you can pull that off, but it's very hard. And that Shadowmore, right, with hybrid, we just upped the number of cards. Like, it made the number of cards large enough that is something you could feasibly do and much more consistent. And so, one Shadowmore, uh, Shadowmore, 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 it might be my favorite limited environment because I I like drafting mono color, and right. it is the set where you just you can draft mono color, um, right. which has always been fun for me. And most of the time, in most formats, when somebody comes up to me and say, uh, "Devin, I drafted totally mono blue. I've got twenty three blue spells. This is so cool." And I look at their uh, draft, I usually end up saying. Hey, that's great. You could go mono blue, but your deck would actually be better if you played three black removal spells and then twenty blue spells, right? Like usually, even with the cards they draft while well, trying to go mono blue, it is worth the two splash a second color. But because Shadowmore has uh, 
HHH, meaning hybrid, hybrid, hybrid mana costs, and HHHH, meaning quadruple hybrid mana costs, there actually are some payoffs for going literally mono blue and not splashing, you know, four swamps or something uh, in a way that is its remote sets. And certainly, Throne of Eldraine that does uh, a bunch of hybrid and does a bunch of HHHH costs and has some cards that reward you for, uh, you know, playing a bunch of cards the same color, but to lands the same color. And you know, tapping three three colors of mana to pay the mana cost of some guys that uh, don't necessarily require that, but give you bonus. You play three mana the same color. Uh, that also had a reward for playing monocolor theme that I very much enjoyed as a player in more recent years. So real quick, I just want to explain H. You you threw that out there. Um, yeah, I, 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 I did say what it meant a moment ago, but just to say it again, I, I thought I already defined you once. I get what I was saying it again. But uh, H is a code that we would use in multiverse at Wizards to refer to what a hyper mana symbol could be or using conversation. And so if we say a mana cost is H, 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 that means it's three hybrid mana, H for hybrid. And uh, the hybrid mana might be blue, black. It might be black, red. But there's so many cycles in Shadowmoor that if you say the cost of this cycle is HHH, then that means the black-red one costs black-red hybrid, black-red hybrid, black-red hybrid. The red-green one costs red-green hybrid, red-green hybrid, red-green hybrid, et cetera, et cetera. So it's right. Uh, it, the, a lot of times in R&D, in order to talk about things, it's important that we have language so that we can explain things. And right. as we'll get to in a second, uh, there are so many cycle, uh, hybrid cycles in the set that being able to talk about the cycle, this represented a, a hybrid mana, and H stood for hybrid, by the way, if that wasn't clear. Um, but anyway, that, that was terminology we, 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 to this day, still use. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the cycling. Um, uh, one of the things about multicolored cards, and that goes for traditional multicolor or hybrid, is that we tend to design them in cycles, meaning we don't just make one. If we make one, we make, you know, so it, since this was an ally hybrid set, if we're going to make a white-blue uh, card, we're going to also make a blue-black and a black-red and a red-green and a green-white. We're going to make all five. So how, do you remember how many cycles this set has? So I, I have it in front of me, and uh, Shadow War has 26 five-card cycles, which is just off the charts high. I feel like it's maybe the highest we've ever had in a set. Uh, the sets were pretty large back then, 301 cards, and I think they're not as large these days. And no, so that they're, makes they're it hard big, for, yeah. for modern sets to to, to match that number. Um, but there are seven cycles that go across Shadowmore and Eventide, which is the sequel to Shadowmore in the same block. And then there's 19 cycles just in Shadowmore. And so that is uh, an enormous number um, it does help you remember what uh, the hybrid cards are generally doing. And it certainly makes it easier to design when you design a cycle that makes sense uh, as a five-card cycle. And then you're sort of filling in the blanks of, okay, what is a green and a red and blue and a black and white uh, thing for these elements to do? Or in hybrid's case, a white-blue thing, a blue-black thing, a black-red thing, etc. Yeah, one of the things that basically happen is there's a lot of challenge to building a hybrid set, especially with 50% hybrid. And so because we had to put them into cycles anyway, we tended to make them... So when you talk about a cycle, there's kind of what we call a loose cycle and a hard cycle or a tight cycle. Um, a loose cycle means... Or a tight cycle means they're very exact. Maybe they all cost the exact same amount of mana, except you know the mana symbol will change. Or maybe they have the same power toughness. Or you know something about them is very, very similar to one another. Where a loose cycle is a cycle that is... It just everyone has one in it, but maybe it's it's just a creature. Or it's it's much looser in its definition for what makes it a cycle. Um, right. And we tended to do more tight cycles in this set because hybrid hybrid is so hard to design that it's a lot easier to go. Oh well, we'll just 
take one idea and float it to five cards, it just allowed us to make more hybrid cards. Right. And uh, so many of the cards the set refer to color because they say for every mountain you control, get a bonus, or if you control a red creature, get a bonus, or uh, spend a red mana colon, get a bonus, that a... Uh, once you start talking about colors and land types, it makes it easy to go to a cyclical place because there are five colors. Once you say, here's two cards that give you bonus for having a certain basic land type, it kind of makes sense to extend it out to five. It's like almost a little bit weird to have one of that are a curd ape that cares about, uh, I'm a red card, but I care about uh, having forests. Um, that's like an unusual one-off. But if you have a cycle of cards that say, I'm a red card, but I care about a basic land type up in mountains, Right, red cares about green, and green cares about white, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. There's not set for that, but if you've a, a cycle of cards talk about land types or colors, it, it makes more sense because there's five land types, five colors. And in general, it, there's an aesthetic to how we do multicolor that people sort of like. You don't want right. to have more white blue cards than you have blue black cards, so we, we that's why another reason we cycle them. Yeah, the more recent multicolor sets have been pretty structured, also in terms of uh, there will often be uh, a cycle across a certain rarity and a certain number of mana symbols where uh, there'll be five uncommon creatures that all have a white and a blue in the mana cost, or blue and the black, or black and the red, right, going around the colors that are featured in the set, the color combinations. Um, or there'll be a, a cycle that says we are uh, white, white, blue, blue in the mana cost plus some number of colors mana, and then blue, blue, black, black plus some number of colors mana, right? Th those structures have echoed across a lot of multiple sets. Okay, so I want to talk about some of the mechanics now. Um, so let's start with minus one, minus one counters. Okay, so the, here, here's the story. Um, the idea was that Lorwyn was supposed to be kind of the nice part of the world, and Shadowmoor was kind of the mean part of the world. Uh, so I had this idea early on in Lorwyn, well, what if instead of killing creatures, you just, like, hurt them a little bit? And so we put minus one, minus one counters in as this, like, oh, I'm not killing your creature, I'm just harming it, but I'm not killing it. But it turned out that minus one, minus one counters felt so more vicious than not. Like, it felt so meaner that we ended up said, okay, okay, we'll use that in Shadow more because it feels so mean that it'll be on the dark side of the world. So we did, we did plus one, plus one counters in Lorwyn and minus one, minus ones in Shadow more. Um, yeah, this is a giant, uh, this shows how, how old I am, how long I've magic. But um, it reminds me how, like, the card Torture, uh, which is actually from, from Homelands, uh, puts minus one, minus one counters on the enchanted creature, and that feels like you're sort of torturing it and weakening it. And so that plays into what you're saying about how it felt even crueler than destroying the creature in some ways. So what happened was, when we had minus one, minus one counters in Lorwyn, um, I believe Nate Heiss uh, made Persist as a mechanic. Uh, and then when we moved minus one, minus one counters, we liked the mechanic, so we just moved it there. Uh, and Persist played pretty well. Well, what were your yeah, thoughts I like on Persist? Persist says when this creature goes to graveyard from play, uh, if it has no counters on it, it returns to the battlefield with a minus one, minus one counter on it. And so it gets a second life, and the second life is a little weaker than the first life. Um, and it's more powerful than it looks because you can get a creature as a three mana three two, and it doesn't look that great, but it comes back as a t uh, you know two one after it dies as a three two. And getting a second creature every time you cast a spell is very very powerful. And there's also a bunch of sneaky tricks where you can uh, let the creature die, come back persisting with a minus one minus one counter on it. But then if you remove the minus one minus one counter, 
uh, then it's ready to persist all over again. Because so when it goes to the graveyard, it checks, hey, do I have a counter on me? No, I don't. Oh, great, I'll come back to life again. And so there are a bunch of tricks in that set and across magic where you can remove the minus one, minus one counter from the creature and it will uh, persist back to life more times. There are even combo decks and some of the uh, magic sort of wider formats that have tons of tons of years of sets in them where you can instantly kill someone by uh, you know playing a card that says counters can't be placed my creatures and then sacrificing your persist creature again and again and again, and it keeps coming back without a uh, counter on it because the other thing says a counter counters on it. So you get infinite sacrifice uh, triggers and you can kill them outright. I think, by the way, Shadowmore is where the plus one, plus one, minus one, minus one rule came from. So right, they negate each other. Right. They, so if you have a, either a plus one, plus one, or a minus one, minus one, and you put the other one on the same card, they negate each other and go away. Right, they explode. It's like matter antimatter. Yes, <laughs> it, it's it's like if you touch your you duplicate from, from the mirror universe. Don't do that. Yeah, um, and so Lorwyn had plus one plus one counters, and Shadowmore had minus one minus one. So the, the rule came up to help simplify things because in standard they were coexisting. Um, right, but anyway, persist. I think we we literally it was in the file from the, the day we started because we we took it from Lorwyn, and I mean I think it got. You know, numbers got changed, but it really didn't change during the whole. I think the whole design development, other other than you know, numbers got changed as as the developer started understanding how to balance it correctly. You're talking about persist. Yeah, persist. Yeah, and one of the fun things about persist also is uh, you can combine it with come into play abilities, enter the battlefield abilities, and it gets them twice because you play the card, it gets enter the battlefield ability, uh, it dies, you persist it back against the end of the battlefield ability again and so there are a bunch of persist guys that give you enter the battlefield effects uh and you can use it twice and that feels super fun right you feel like you're getting away with something to get sort of double value not just out of the creature but at the end of the battlefield effect as well and so kitchen finks is like a card and powerful a lot of formats that gains to life whenever it enters the battlefield and you persist get it twice uh murderous red cap deals damage equal to its power at anything when it comes into play enters the battlefield and so persist gives you two cracks at that Woodfall Primus is like in some commander decks, and it destroys any non-creature permanent when you uh, enter the battlefield with it, and it is a 6-6 that persists, so you get a ton of value off of that. So there's a lot of, a lot of cool ways to persist. Yeah, one of the neat things in general, as you're talking about, is when you work on certain mechanics, it's like, this particular mechanic worked nice with both enter the battlefield tracks and death triggers, so it just made you want to put more of them in the set so that it could interact with this, you know, and that was fun. Yeah, and Shadowmoor is kind of like... Um, it is a dark duplicate to Lorwyn, as you said, and it's sort of uh, going back to Lorwyn, but changing all the rules and flipping it. And a lot of magic sets have done that since then, but Shadowmoor is one of the first magic sets to say, we're going to take an existing plane we've been to and turn it all backwards. And so uh, what was cute and cuddly and sunny about Lorwyn is now kind of sinister and creepy in Shadowmoor. And, uh, you know, when we've gone back to Mirrodin, sometimes it's had these, uh, you know, poison counters and... Um, you know, Yawgmoth's influence and everything, and we've gone back to Innistrad and had, like, the Eldrazi's influence, right? And so there's a bunch of ways to take a plane you know and make it fresh again by putting, like, some weird, creepy twists on it. Okay, so... And so okay, so that, Shadowmoor has, like, just, like, a bunch of creatures that are uh, echoes of exact Lorwyn cards, but but flipped to minus one, minus one counters or some other way to sort of show they're twisted. Okay, so uh, also with minus one, minus one counters is Wither. Um... I think we were, once again, we were trying to sort of make the creatures feel a little naftier. Uh, and w so Wither, for those that don't know, is damage done by this creature is done in the form of minus one, minus one counters to other creatures. So if I, instead of doing one damage that will heal at end of turn, I put a minus one, minus one counter on you, you you never heal. I've now permanently like sort of shrunk you. 
Yeah, and that leads to very different combat decisions than not having Wither around. And it's sort of okay to attack into giant blockers when you have Wither because you weaken them enough that they won't be as effective in the future. And I do think that that uh, plays well. And uh, Wizards has made some TCGs like Battletech back in the day or other games that have persistent damage where every creature's damage is permanent, does not heal off in a turn. And that has a very different feel to the combat. And Wither gives you a taste of that in Magic itself. Yeah, Wither Wither is a pretty fun mechanic. In fact, uh, Wither would later inspire Infect, which is sort of like Wither plus Poisonous, so... Yeah, um, and, and Wither, like, Infect uh, includes that same ability, as you say, where if the creature does damage to another creature, it uh, deals the damage to form minus one of some counters instead of regular damage. And then Infect also says when you hit a player, deal that damage to form poison counters, and if a player gets ten poison counters on them, they right. die no matter how, many, how much life they have. And so Infect is more complicated than Wither, but it does sort of make sense, right, that this creature that gives permanent uh, debilitating effects to creatures would also give permanent debilitating effects to players. And so Infect is uh, pretty fun. It's fun how you can sort of put buffs to the creature and you kind of get like a, a doubling of the effect, right? If you put plus three, plus three in an effect creature, it's kind of like you... Um, you know, put plus six, plus six on it because only 10 poison counters kills the opponent instead of 20 damage killing the opponent. Sure. Okay. Let's, let's zoom back, zoom back to uh, Shadow War. Sure. Um, let's say, let's say one more thing about minus one, minus one counters. And yeah. I mentioned that um, it's fun. There's some counter manipulation cards in set, like you move counters to other places and you can move them off persist creatures to let your persist creatures uh, get persist another time. But you can also move minus one, minus one counters onto your opponent's guys. And that feels like you're really getting away with something, right? If you uh, have a persist creature, let it die, get uh, comes back with a minus one, minus one counter, then you put the minus one, minus one counter from your guy to the opponent's guy. Uh, or on your opponent's persist guys, your pers- opponent's persist guy can't come back now, right? You are just you're doing it all kinds of ways. There's this value coming out of every every direction. So, like you said, there's a lot of mirroring that went on. Another fun mirroring thing we did was the untap symbol. Do you, do you remember? Is, the, do you remember the origin it, of the untap symbol? It's Mark Gottlieb, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, Mark Gottlieb came up with it. Um, it's funny I remember these things. It's been you know 15 years or something longer, long time. Yes. So what happened was we were trying to do mirror image of things. Uh, and so Mark Gottlieb said, oh, well, what if we just do a mirror image of the tap symbol? Um, and this is, we talked earlier about how some things were successes and some weren't. Uh, the untapped symbol is a good example of something that didn't quite work. Uh, and the, the biggest problem was that, t- two things. One, people just read it as the tap symbol, even though right. it literally was a mirror image of the tap symbol. Like everything that was black was gray and gray was black and it was turned um, but just, you're so used to the, like that general shape being the tap right. symbol that people just read as the tap symbol. And the second problem we ran into was people are very attuned to what tap means. And so you can think about it, but somehow untap just didn't work the way, like it, even though it did what you would think you do, I guess, if you thought about it, but how to, how to play with it, people really just couldn't wrap their minds around, oh, you know, their creature attacked, so now it's tapped. So now I have to keep in mind when I attack that they have a tapped creature that can untap. And it was just very hard to process. Yeah, it is very counterintuitive. And uh, even after playing it a bunch of times, it is very hard to get what it means. And it's hard for the opponent to get what it means, too. And the fact that you can uh, use the untap symbol to suddenly untap your creature during combat means that your opponent can easily get into, oops, some stupid moments where they... Uh, attack into what seems like a clear board, but you use the untap symbol to untap your 4-4, four, four, and now you block, and they lose their 3-3, three, three, and they feel stupid. And so uh, that is not awesome. Yeah, we really, uh, we've kind of said not, we, I don't expect us to, I mean, other than maybe 
a random Modern Horizons card or something. I don't expect us to use the untap symbol again. It just was so ungrockable to people. Yeah, I, I, I would not use it again either. I The, the best things about it were um, trying to say this is backwards world, so things you know are backwards, and untap instead of tap is an example of that. Um, but it's not worth the confusion, and if we could, you know, go back in time, I probably would not, would not, uh, I would not leave it in. So, okay, so one last mechanic. We're talking about things that I, I don't know if it needed to be there or not. Um, so, Conspire. So, Conspire is a mechanic that went on spells, and when you cast a spell, if you tapped two creatures of the same color as the spell, you copied the spell. Um, it was actually added, I think Aaron Forsyth added it in set, in uh, d development, um, and I think he was just trying to get more color matters into the set. Um, yeah. But Conspire well, is the perfect example of a mechanic. Like, if I ask random Magic player, what does this mechanic do? It is not a mechanic that most people remember. It's a very unmemorable mechanic. Yeah, the name also doesn't instantly tell you what it does, which is like doubling spells. Yes, Conspire kind of hints that two creatures work together, um, but it's hard to remember partially because the name doesn't connect to what it does very much. Uh, hybrid cards are fun to build decks with because you have to solve these interesting puzzles about how your mana works. And uh, they play pretty well, and they're easier cast than a lot of other cards are, but that still leaves something wanting in terms of, well, what do they do in the battlefield? Now, now, now we're fighting, who cares if my cards are hybrid or not? And so we wanted to make that relevant. And so having a lot of color matters made that relevant. And there are some cards that rewarded you for certain colors, or some cards that uh, were especially effective against enemy creatures that are certain colors, and some cards that change things' colors. Like there's a whole cycle of like sort of thought-lace-style wisps that uh, change the color of cards and, and make you draw a card. Um, and so... Conspire was another way to make you notice and feel good about your cards being more colors than normal. And uh, the sort of kookiest way to go about this was to um, play Island, 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 uh, blue-black hybrid card, blue-black hybrid card, and then play a card that conspired and tap two black creatures to get this conspire effect, even though you didn't have any swamps when you played these creatures out, right? You sort of felt you were cheating the system um, in a way that was giving sort of tee-hee tingle. Yeah, the, the, like I said, when kind of when I look back, there's a lot of things I like about about um, Shadowmoor. I really the monocolor elements and a lot of the color mattering was really fun. Um, but it definitely was a set where we bit off a little more than we could chew. I, I think we ended up making some hybrid cards that really were gold cards and not hybrid cards. Um, but uh, I don't. I, I still have fond. I, I have fond memories of Shadowmoor, although. It's definitely a set that I look back and I, I, I can see some of the flaws as, as we look back and examine it. Yeah. Um, it had these like demigods that are like five hybrid mana symbols that cost and were like super awesome rares. That was fun. Right. It's the, um, the first gods that weren't gods. <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, it had the sort of like hideaway creatures. Um, you know, well, they, they had these, they had these like these, these quadruple hybrid cost leeches that say, uh, my cost is white slash green, white slash green, white slash green, white slash green. All my white guys get plus plus one. All my green guys get plus plus one. And so when you play hybrid creatures, you know, if you play hybrid white green creatures, well, it's white, so it gets plus one plus one for that. It's green, so it gets plus one plus one for that. So it gets plus two plus two total. So you could play mono green, play this white green hybrid liege, play white green hybrid kitchen finks, and double buff the kitchen finks as white and green, even though you're playing mono green, right? And so that kind of like cheatery is was is more fun than uh, one might expect to sort of like do little hyper tricks to get around the rules. Oh, I, I almost forgot. We're almost out of time here. But I, 
I didn't talk about what I considered to be the biggest mistake. And this was on me. Uh, the biggest mistake of Shadowmore uh, is I made a decision to we take all the creatures from Lorwyn and color shift them. So, for example, um, the elves are green black in Lorwyn, but they become, I think, green white in yeah, Shadowmoor. Yeah, they become more good. Everyone else becomes more evil. Right, and, and you know, the, the the goblins were red-green, and they become red-black, I think. Um, the yeah, other think way they, around. Or they were red-black and became red-green? Um, yeah, I think that's right. They were red-black in Lorwyn and became red-green in... Um, but anyway, I made this choice to sort of do this color shifting because I was trying to represent how things were different. And I, at the time, my thought was, oh, I can make all the Lorman decks have this a added value because now there's a third color that you could play with those decks. Um, but it ended up making them less connected. And I think in retrospect, I wish I just kept things in the same color. So whatever the goblins were in Lorwyn, they were also in Shadowmoor. And I, I, I think... I was trying too hard to show definition between the two worlds and that there was plenty of ways to show the definition. So I kind of wish yeah. I hadn't done that. I, I, I agree with you. And, and to be honest, like I'm um, thinking about this set, I remembered that decision and uh, I, I was sort of ready for you to say that it was worthwhile and I was going to say it's not worthwhile. And so uh, I'm interested to hear you say it now that you wish you'd done it differently. Um, I think it's, I think it was fine to, add a color to existing tribes uh, in different blocks, like having the merfolk sort of be blue and green in Ixalan instead of mono blue uh, is fine. Um, but switching from Lord to Shadowmoor, as you say, because we're going to exist in the same standard and you want to sort of build a deck and building uh, red, green, black goblins is sort of not supported. You kind of have to pick and choose. It sort of ends up just saying that the green goblins, you can't really play with the black ones very well. Hybrid does help a little bit because you could play in theory, you know, red, green hybrid goblin in your black, red goblin deck. Um, but it's not not super optimal. Right. I mean, we 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 did end up doing some hybrid stuff in the center colors that matched. Like we we didn't change everything, but I it's one of the things. Looking back, I'm like, oh, that was like there's certain decisions that I had made, you know, as as the head designer that I'm like, oh, that was just the wrong decision. And Shadowmore is one of those decisions. Um, I also have a big question of whether Eventide was supposed to be enemy colored. But anyway, that that's a uh, that that's not the Shadowmore podcast. That's the Eventide podcast. So. Yeah, and one observation I want to make of the block as a whole is that um, Lorwyn was like especially kind of sunny and pleasant, and nobody killed anybody, and all the card flavors were like, um, I mean, some of them were a little bit uh, violent, I guess, but the set was a lot less violent than your average, average uh, magic set, Lorwyn was, and the intent was to um, sort of do that horror movie thing where you lull people into a sense of safety with like a little bit of foreboding in the first half, and then you reveal the evil killer or the evil monster, and oh no, now everything we thought was safe is unsafe, and it's all twisted and evil, and those forebodings I have were actually signals of something horrifying, right? It was sort of trying to do that horror movie shift for Lauren and Morning Times were sunny, to Shadow More Even Tide, which were evil, but... Um, what we found in retrospect was that uh, six months between Lorwyn and Shadowmoor was sort of too long to wait for that twist. And during those six months, when Magic was sort of like all happy and hugging and sharing and Lorwyn and Morningtide, that was too long of being not badass and not cool and not an awesome wizard stool and too much um, just like being friends having a picnic. And so the reveal of, oh, this actually is evil, took too long. Um, and uh, we kind of like let players twist in the wind a little bit 
for six months being in happy friendly world. And so more recent sets that sort of try to have like happy friendly elements like Throne of Eldraine has some like storybook elements, but it's like storybook than edge, right? Like Throne of Eldraine tries to have some a bunch of dark side, a bunch of sinners and stuff. It's it's more more creepy than most fairy tales are, and fairy tales are already pretty creepy. And so it, it doesn't sort of stumble into the the, the trap that Lauren Mordentizer stumbled into, in my opinion. So anyway, I'm now at my desk. So any final thoughts, Devin? Final thoughts on Shadowmore? Uh, I think I just hit you with my final uh, thoughts, but hybrid's fun. It's still the test of time. It's in a lot of other magic sets. So, so hybrid is a success. Now it's our first giganto swing at hybrid after Ravnica had done sort of a little dabbling. We, we, we showed that hybrid can carry a set, and a bunch of magic sets have done that since then. So anyway, guys, I'm now at my desk. So we all know what that means. It means instead of talking magic, it's time for me to be making magic. So uh, thanks, Devin. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Mark. And I'll see all of you next time. Bye-bye.